0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on
2: building trust.
3: A Celtic state of mind I'm Paul John Dykes And today I am delighted to be joined By Russell Boyce and Tony Haggerty Welcome back to the show gentlemen There is plenty to discuss First up, you enjoyed um, A wee get together to watch the West Ham game Tony, what was your thoughts Over the 6-2 defeat And then we can start deconstructing that In preparation for Wednesday night
4: I don't normally do shout outs because it's not what the show's about, but I was asked. So I'm going to say hello to Ian Latter, who we met on Saturday, George, who we met in Chapman's Bar and Rutherglen, yep. who did a picture with myself and Russell and it was very complimentary. <laughs> and the boys from the Bar and Rutherglen, who made us all very welcome. They know who they are and bought us a drink as well. So, uh, yeah get that out the road but, uh, yes you know,
5: mate
4: very kindly disposed towards the pod and yourself and everybody that appeared on it so magic uh, just, just say a lot to them love,
3: love to hear that love to hear a bit of positivity and some mm-hmm. feedback so we
5: know what's coming now
4: <laughs> no not a there's a back clause now because the rest can get on the road is yes. good yeah uh, absolutely I think I think it's what everybody knows about Celtic we're in desperate need of a goalkeeper one that can actually save the ball and keep it out of the net. Do the basics first. The sweeper-keeper can come later. I know Ange prefers that, but he really does need to get someone who can keep the ball out of the net first and foremost. Your worries came true. I mean, the youngsters in defence and inexperience, but the only way they'll learn is by playing. They won't come up against that calibre of opposition every week. But my goodness, they were cruelly exposed, weren't they? Aye, they were. To they were. Finished six in the... An English Premier League but your deficiencies were laid bare and all all the optimism you had maybe going to Denmark and getting a result was slowly but surely evaporating over that 90 minutes because there was just so much wrong all over the park. There was, there was some positive stuff too. Going forward they looked fantastic and uh, at times looked very good great chances, scored, scored some good goals but you know I also said I thought we still need a midfield enforcer. Still think we do. Mm-hmm. We need another central defender to come alongside Starfelt when he when comes in and Julian. And I still think we need two forwards, two strikers. And well, that's a
3: great shout, Tony. Uh, we're going to, as I say, we're going to, you know, assemble a, a kind of wish list as we as we talk through this bulletin. But we do have an announcement. We do have an announcement to make. Just along the ticker tape, you will see that um, a Celtic state of mind, the award-winning Celtic broadcast, uh, now has a new sponsor. We have signed a sponsorship deal, and that deal is with the Celtic Way, uh, which is a brand new um, online platform, Tony, which you will write for Um By the way, you're very prolific on the website. Very prolific (laughs) indeed. And um, (laughs) this is part and parcel of us developing a Celtic state of mind because a massive part of that is we want to keep the content free. And one of the ways to do that is by getting sponsorship on board, which we have been working on behind the scenes for several months. So... We've just managed to secure a couple of sponsorship deals for the channel, and this is the first one. This is the announcement. We are now sponsored by the Celtic Way. All the details are at the bottom of the screen, and uh, you probably have seen them on social media because guys like Tony Hamilton, Tony Hamilton, that's a different (laughs) Tony, Uh, Tony Haggerty. I don't think Tony Hamilton writes for them. He might do. I've spoken to him in a while. He's not been on Twitter for a while. Tony Haggerty. You write on a regular basis your musings on Celtic. So when you actually come back onto the, the bullet and you've already, you know, assembled your, your thought process and your mind about the Celtic team. Um, and now we're going to start off about the, the, the goalkeeper. I was having a look through over the last few days the amount of players Celtic have been, uh, you know, linked to and you know, unless it's one that's going to be box office and or it's almost there, it's almost over the line. We don't tend to labour that on the show, Tony. We don't go through all the targets. I mean, there may well be at some point a need for us to go through uh, transfer targets leading up to the end of the window. But there are so many. We could dedicate every single show every day to who's coming, who's not, etc. But there is certainly one thing that isn't going away. And this is this massive question mark over Barkas the unfortunate thing for me was he makes a couple of good saves and even during the commentary Chris Sutton Chris Sutton who I like I, I think he's straight down the middle guy when it comes to commentating on Celtic and he says you know this could be a game changer for Barkas but by the end of his involvement in the game we know he was taken off obviously I'm looking at him with the same doubts Tony just before we came on and I mentioned it at the weekend during the game I, I I watched that goal where he's left the the near post wide open and I'm thinking Ferens Varos all over again now if, he, if he's not learned anything in the last
4: year he's never going to learn it massive concerns that's still that everybody was tweeting I mean you don't need to be a striker to know where you're going to put the ball if you're if you're homing in on goal just so happened it was a deadly striker that was homing in on the goal there was no question where it was going but my goodness what a gap he left I don't know any goalkeeper that would sort of say there you go put it there and see even if you telegraph it and you put it there, I'm not getting anywhere near it uh-huh. you know it's just uh, you you want Barkas to be a success you're willing him to be a success but nothing he does instills you with any confidence pre-season games I don't really take too seriously but what I do take seriously is attitude application and then when you go that step up in class
0: uh-huh. you know,
4: he didn't convince him He'd, he'd one thing or two things to do in the Michelin home game, and he's made a racket. of the the, the free tips, Yeah. You know, by Massively. poor, poor judgment, pulling your hands away. Is that a confidence thing? I don't know. You deal with it. Any goalkeeper worth of salt deals with that. You're the, you're the one on the part that can use your hands. <laughs> if you use your hands, you either catch that cleanly, or if you're worried about guys coming across you, you punch it and you punch everything else in the vicinity but you deal with it. You, I, get it, hand it you, do whatever. you do not let it go and then turn around and think, oh no, that's in the net. I, I thought it was going wide. You don't yeah. think you do as a goalkeeper because there is no hiding place when you make a mistake as a goalkeeper. But the These mistakes, as you said, history is repeating itself. Mm-hmm. He did it at the exact same stage last year against Fairness Varus. You know, and I just, he just fails to convince and I think there's a confidence problem with the goalkeeper, which then transmits to the defence. Because the defence have no faith and trust in him. And then it happened last year when Shane Duffy came in. You know, there was just a lack of confidence all round. It happened on Saturday with the two boys. Granted, they're up against class opposition, and it is the only way you learn. But my goodness, Celtic were punished. And I think the manager alluded to the fact that he was disappointed with the lack of response Mm -hmm. kind of challenge. That was a a real challenge Celtic faced in a a pre-season game and they were found wanting.
3: See the big thing for me, Tony? Uh, I'm going to throw this over to Boise because I know he's got strong views on it, but people that say this is a meaningless, friendly, uh, you know, don't put too much focus on it. I don't really subscribe to that because... The games that we are getting are so few and far between in terms of our preparation for the big games, which are the, the qualifiers for the um, Champions League at this stage. They're vital they're vital to get the understanding between you know, that diamond of the, the goalkeeper and his, his, his centre-halves. They're vital to get the game plan that Ange is still trying to implement in the side. But I'm looking at this situation and I'm thinking I'm going to throw this one to Boise. Um, are we going to be faced with a situation, Russell, whereby he, Ange sticks so rigidly to his game plan? This is how I want to play and this is the very specific type of goalkeeper that I want to have in that game plan and Barkas fits that mode because he's good with the ball at his feet and he can play that sweeper-keeper and, you know, he can start spraying passes to the two centre-halves who go out wide left and right. Or do we just bite the bullet and get a goalkeeper in who can command his area and not make so many shocking decisions? Because, you know, for me... The the biggest issue is he doesn't command his area, so the two centre and halves don't know if they're coming or going. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, that was a, a huge issue last season because it was so changeable. We had three goalkeepers and a number of permutations in the centre and half positions. Or do we just go for a goalkeeper who can do that? Comes in and when you're counting on him, be that five minutes before the end of the first half, after you're a man down, five minutes after you know you know before the final whistle, uh, who can make that save? Now I'm not going to bring the Fraser Foster argument into it. Russell right. I'm not going to bring that in but I'm just talking about a goalkeeper who can actually do the basics, I've not seen that he is that man, so do we tear up that game plan until we get a goalie in who can do the job and I know you have um, debated that fact over the last couple of weeks on social
5: media and within the WhatsApp group, what's your thoughts at this stage, what do we do? Well, if the game plan is playing from the back, I mean, first and foremost, what you need to be playing the ball from the back, you need to have an element of confidence about you. And like Tony touched on, the two centre-halves are so inexperienced, but yet have no faith in the voice behind them either. I know they wouldn't ever admit that, but that will be undoubted at the back of their minds. That, you know, Tony says if you make one mistake as a keeper, then it's a goal. Well, I'm actually beginning to think if you make one mistake as a centre-back, it's also a goal because I've got no faith that he'll save any one-on-ones. Um, I also believe that when you're playing from the back, as I say, you need to have confidence. News. What are we doing to that confidence right now? What What is, you know, we looked at uh, Murray and we thought, this is a shining light we're seeing right now. This is mm-hmm. something to be quite positive about. What is the damage being done from you know, albeit a preseason friendly, but I just think as a footballer, it'll be in your nature to panic when you concede six goals. Or not you know, it's gonna certainly dent your confidence massively and dent your motivation for trying to adapt to this style of playing from the back when you feel if I make a mistake here, I look like the villain as well, as much as the goalkeeper does, because he's not gonna save any of these opportunities. I could potentially give up right now. So what does Ange need to do? Ange needs to we all need to adapt to Ange. That's what you hear. We need to adapt to Ange's philosophy, Ange's style. But Ange also is in the gig of his life right now. No two ways about it. This is the biggest job he's ever had. And he has to adapt to the club that he's managing right now and the current situation they're in. I'm not laying blame at him for finding himself in this position, but now he's in it, he is going to have to start prioritising the basics right now. And that, to me, would be getting a goalkeeper in who can talk to the defence, especially when they're so young, who can guide them, and who also knows where his goalposts are once he makes one yard once he takes a step forward he loses all positional sense that Antonio strike at the near post that Tony touched on it's baffling mm. how he has got so completely lost um, in terms of positioning. I don't actually think he covered himself in glory their, their presence in the team they'll diminish their confidence and bear in mind the way that we have uh, brought, you know, the likes of Murray into the fold is for Champions League qualifiers. <laughs> this is not... These guys should have been playing... They should at least have, you know, the odd League Cup match experience from the season before. The odd home league match, if we were on at any point, a sustained win and run last season, you'd like to think so. But instead, they're making competitive debuts in the games that are worth more money to us than any other. <laughs> and the fact is, they've got a guy behind them that they'll have no faith in, and that I've certainly got no faith in. The Barca's experiment has lasted over a year. It's not worked. It's time to it's time to get back to basics between the sticks and get a goalie who knows how to keep the ball out the net first and foremost. It's that
3: nature of being decisive, Tony? Making a decision, realizing early doors, this hasn't worked. Yes, we're going to lose money on it. Um, but how much more money are you going to lose if you try and persevere with it? And I think that's a great point that Russell makes. You're bringing in these kids um, who, I, I totally agree with you, Russell. I think they should be better prepared. And that's not exactly. on Dane. That's not on Dane Murray. That's oh. not, You know, Welsh was thrown in last season against Rangers. Now, I know he had played against Hamilton once previously, right? That's not good enough as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Tony, we've had domestic dominance for the best part of a decade, yet we've got guys coming in. You know, I, I don't expect an 18-year-old to have 50 games under his belt, but I expect a 20 or 21-year-old to have 50 games under their belt competitively. Be that substitute appearances, you know, drip-feeding them into games where you're winning three or four nothing, which has happened numerous times over the last 10 years. We've just not had it. And then you create this conveyor belt of young players who are coming in, but they do have the experience. And, you know, coupled with perhaps a loan deal here and there. um, I fear for a player, Tony, like uh, Dane Murray, who performed really well in the pre-season games. We spoke about him time and time again. But his first senior game is a Champions League qualifier with tens of millions of pounds riding on it. He's going to have to start on Wednesday night. He's going to have to start because I don't think... um, you know that I'm just going to adapt his style or shape in any way, shape or form. So he's going to start alongside Welsh. We're looking at Welsh now as being the experienced head. Only played 21 games last season.
4: So in total, competitively, he's played 23 games for Celtic. And he's the experienced one. There's a combined age of 39 between those guys. One's 21, one's 18. Right? Wow, wow. Lack of preparation from the top down. Ange's feeling the brunt of that now. Mm, yeah, we've absolved, absolved Ange of any kind of blame for what happens in Europe, but Ange should have been back from the moment he came in the door. I see that last time I appeared on the pod. Why didn't Celtic announce one, two, three, four players? You know, in the wake of Ange coming in. Mm-hmm. You no, know, because if they, if he believed, and they were they were scouting this guy before he came in the door. Then you should have said, you're the man, the, the how things, going by the way. say get get a list of players, start getting your list of players so that when we unveil you in the coming days, we can unveil Starfield, we can unveil Purishima, we can unveil a All right? We'll to. And you can see Anne's frustration with that. This week on The Marketer's
1: Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs
2: in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Because he said that they've dithered, they've no, hung around, waiting. I don't know what they were waiting for. And this is the situation that the new bosses have enforced upon the new man. This is where we find ourselves at. You cannot blame the players. You cannot blame Welsh. You cannot blame Dane Murray because it is all we've got. Any player coming into that team is going to improve it. And it's fine. And I've said before, in a month, two months, three months, Celtic will be a far better structured, organised and disciplined outfit. But it was a here and now. Because the here and now are the games that lead you to get thirty or forty million quid. And again, we spoke about it. What Celtic play?er He's played Russian roulette with the Champions League every year and think maybe the chamber's loaded, maybe it's not. And then Michelin could join a litany of clubs that have put us out: Braga, Maribor, Cluj, Ike, Athens. You know them all, right? Mm-hmm. The list—it's it's a bur- an ever-burgeoning list. Because of the same failures by the Celtic board, they they never arm a manager. They're always ill-prepared. So I get that these guys like Dane Murray, confidence might be destroyed a wee bit. But, you know, as you say, he's going on again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's going on again with the, the caveat hanging over our head. If we go out here, we're losing a lot of money. And it's not on his head, but that's the way he'll feel. Because as you say, how, how's, how's your nerves now, then? And well,
6: uh-huh.
4: you know what I mean? And it's unfair to put a kid of 18 in that situation. But that's what Celtic have done. And Ange knows it. And that's why he's wee bit of a niggle and frustrations are coming out of his interviews. And he's quite right to see it. Because he calls it like it is. And he's telling you, this is, this is where we are, you know? I'm trying to do things here, but I need players. I need to be backed here. You know, and I, and I wrote, one of the first columns I wrote in the Celtic way, I finished off with the line, meet the new bosses, same as the old bosses. Uh-huh. i started to think that that's true. And a lot of Celtic supporters are beginning to question whether that adage might be true or not. Well... Tony, there's a, ma- there's a massive discussion point there.
3: There really is, because you've said that we're absolving Ange of the blame, which we are. There will come a point where we can no longer do that. Yeah. Um, there also will become a point when Don Mackay's involvement will be scrutinised far more closely as well. So at what point does that happen? Has it already begun?
4: So keeping the keeping keeping the, the song analogy going then ground control to major dom. <laughs> <laughs> I that's classic. That's what Andy's
5: saying,
4: saying now, isn't it? Ground control to major dom. <laughs> I'm liking the David Bowie vibe
3: with Staffelt yeah. coming in, and now this one, Tony, uh, I like so, it.
4: So we keep that going, but I mean, he is, he's it's short of SOS time, isn't it? <laughs> You made a great point there. You combined
3: the ages of our centre-half partnership who are, you know, their combined ages still less than mine. So thanks for reminding me. What I was going to say is there are teams that are we're coming up against in Europe. Now, back in the day, et cetera, harking back, you'd come up against the side and, you know, if they put you out, I remember, let's say, centenary season, Borussia Dortmund, you move on, and some of the European campaigns that I've watched as a Celtic supporter, you're going out to big clubs, Sport and Lisbon knocked us out. Tony, you'll remember, you know we've been beaten by PSG, Barcelona. Mm -hmm. But what we're getting to the point uh, now is that we're coming up against clubs who they're to maybe to our mind kind of unknown quantities. But what we then see is that they stick, they stick, and they hang about in and around the Champions League and they progress. So talking about ages, Midland as a club are only 22 years of age as a club. Right Now, Celtic, and we pride ourselves on the traditions and the rich, um, illustrious history we have in European Mm -hmm. football. In 22 years, Midtjylland have overtaken Celtic. In 22 years. And I think that is astonishing. And that, for me, should be an eye-opening moment for everyone at Celtic. What is the Celtic way? And I don't mean our new sponsor. What is the Celtic way? There's the question, right? Is the Celtic way... Um, that pathway up to the, to the entrance of Celtic Park, or is it to continually uh, look at a situation where we know it's the biggest income stream the club can ever have, yet be criminally
5: under-prepared for it? So, Russell, has that become the Celtic way? Well, it's certainly more the norm now, isn't it, that we don't make the Champions League? I mean, I think we've had nine free hits at it. Um, we qualified, I think it was three out of nine. That's a third a third of the times, and that was on the champions' route. This time we're on an even harder route that started earlier. We all knew this. Everyone knew this. We've had, we let uh, Neil Lennon go months ago. Everything seems to be done in slow motion. I don't understand it. And just back on the combined age thing, as you know, we're a wee bit weird with uh, players' ages. The combined age of those two also is the same as the goalkeeper across the city, who happens to be arguably, I think, their biggest difference in winning that league title last year, amongst other good performers. Uh, good performers he's worth 12 to 15 points a season to them. Uh, we certainly don't have someone like that between the sticks and that is even at 39 years old so uh, and I've never you know, seen him play as a sweeper keeper by the way either um, so that does highlight the inexperience at the back as well, that side of it but in terms of the Celtic way we're looking to bring youth players we all love seeing youth players brought in the team but we want them to have a fair crack at the whip I don't want to see Welsh getting dumped into a, a you know a Celtic Rangers match as his you know first start or second start for the club. You know what sort of pressure was that to put on him? I don't want to see Murray having to play in forty million pound bounty matches. That's just it. Just doesn't make any sense. What I can't understand is if Ange came in here, we had concerns about whether he was going to be a yes man. Remember there was talk about that. Now Ange. Interviews to me are extremely refreshing. I like the way he talks. I think he does tell it like it is, as Tony says. You wonder if that attitude's getting replicated then from Ange towards board, why is the action taking so long to get done? Because it seems to me that he's not a man who minces his words. It is glaringly obvious he needed a defender for both and ties and a goalkeeper. My concern would be that Ange perhaps seen something in Barkas none of us can. But in terms of the defence, not because he doesn't have faith in Welsh or Murray, by the way, far from it. It just, you would say on paper, you need to have some experience at centre-back yeah. in a Champions League qualifier, you know? And that, to me, is something any manager worth the salt would have pitched to the ball. You then combine that with Ange's direct style and you have to then question why are they still, you know, Doing things so slowly. Why is Starfelt? Imagine if we go out on Wednesday and then Starfelt comes in and looks like an absolute boss at the back. What's the first question? It's had an insult to injury. You know it, and well, we've been there before.
4: For the Celtic we should be Celtic always competing to win the league title and getting to the Champions League group stages, or at least striving to do yeah. that. Ad nauseam. Prepare, prepare, prepare. No, constantly evolve and develop. As I keep saying it, and I've said it for long, act like a big club, please, right? You, and you, but the same mistakes keep getting made. Why can't Celtic mm. compete at both, both domestically and in Europe in the Champions League group stages? Somebody has to really, really pin me to this chair, stop me from walking <laughs> back and forth in it, and, <laughs> and say, "This is why we can't." Because I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe it. Till I'm I'm nailed to a chair and and explained why we can't do that. Our club fails to evolve in the summer every year. Every year, we fail to evolve. We just grind to a halt. If we win a league, great. But we fail to evolve, and then we end up chasing our tail, trying to get players in, and usually the Champions League eh, horses bolted by the time we get players in. And as Russell says, Starfield comes in at Tyncastle and has a Stormer. To in midweek, fans go off their that again. Lack of preparation, and I've said this before Celtic fans know their history. The only people that don't know their history at this moment in time are the board, the board of directors mm. He's making the same mistakes at the same time yep. every year, every summer. Yet yeah, these league like fixtures roll around at the same time every mm-hmm. summer. It's funny, that isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, just, it's bewildering.
3: The and two I, big I, things you, you've mentioned there, Tony, the youth aspect and the recruitment aspect are part of or should be part of that that mindset that Celtic have. They should be part of this fabled Celtic way, yeah. um, but they have become uh, net in their approach to youth development and also recruitment. So Dane Murray... I think, you know, should have a bright future in the game from what we've seen. He, yeah. He's made a couple of mistakes. That's understandable. We're up against the West Ham side to throw on Ocoflex and he scores a, a goal against us, right? There's a player that we only utilised because we were 16 men down um, in two league games after Dubai, 13 men plus three staff, sorry, 13 men down in the two games in Giants. The mm-hmm. only reason. Okoflex has got a sniff at a game at Celtic and he's come on and he showed us what he can do I don't know what's going to happen with the boys' career but he certainly didn't get a fair crack of the whip at Celtic we've been hearing reports this morning that yet again one of our young talents is being um, sniffed about at by an English club Leeds United are looking at Leo Held now we've seen it time and time again players leaving for various clubs Tony because they haven't been developed properly, now they've got the talent otherwise Bayern Munich and Manchester City and Mm -hmm. Leeds United wouldn't be interested, West Ham, they wouldn't be interested, we can develop a player but we just can't get them into that, so that's an issue and that that, in the past the Celtic way would have been that we reared their own, we put them into the first team and they became an integral part of every Celtic team you look at every Celtic team from the past Lesbian Lions is a a famous one, of course. The 7-1 team, the double-winning team from the 1950s, the 10 men that won the league, the centenary team. And have a look at the amount of players who were homegrown within all the big Mm -hmm. teams throughout Celtics history. We don't have it anymore. Yeah, people might say Callum McGregor, James Forrest. That's two who are now getting to close to 30 years of age. Where's the 25-year-olds? Where's the 22-year-olds? You know, they're not there. We've not had that for a long time. And then we talk about the recruitment. Because we're saying we need to get these bodies in, Tony. You know my biggest concern just now? What if the, re- the recruitment strategy's not changed? So we've just offloaded Sved, right? I did a wee thing about a year ago. I worked out, um, just based on transfer fees alone, Sved, Kuwassi, Hendry, Bayo, how much did they cost us for every 90 minutes to played for Celtic? Two hundred and twenty grand. That doesn't include wages. Now that's bad business. That's a bad recruitment strategy. Has it improved? Are we doing it any different? The only, the only sign that we are, Russell, is obviously Ange bringing in Furuhashi. Right? So there, there's one, one sign that it's different. But how often are we going to get that? Uh, are all the other players going through the same process? Mm-hmm. Because I think they probably are at the moment. And that process, that recruitment process, has been hit or miss for several years. So we can't afford to bring in three or four or five players over the next few weeks uh, using the same strategy. Because what we'll get is maybe
5: one or two of them actually making the grade at Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, you've got to be looking as well and think, Ange is an experienced manager. He'll be able to identify targets. We were told that you know this was going to be one of the the great benefits of hiring Ange was the fact that he's going to know markets that we don't normally operate in. The QGO signing being a prime example, you know that's got his fingerprints all over it. I'm all for that. Because it's someone that's got buy-in from the manager from the get-go. My concern would be, Uh, and by the way I thought uh, you know I really like the look of a bad I I definitely do but you are looking at the traits and you're going "That's the same agent as Sorrow Mm -hmm. same agent as a couple of others that we've signed as well I can't remember their names because I'm hopeless at that sort of thing but it's like well there's a bit of a connection there that doesn't seem to, you know, be that all that different from the previous the previous policy, or is it the same one ongoing? I would say I would use that as an example to suggest it is still the same recruitment policy. We hear about lists. Remember, there was a list released a couple of years ago, and all that. We were still looking at those players a year later. We look at, uh, has there been a list left and given to Ange with recommendations? Well, I'm sorry, but the str- the signing strategy hasn't got us to where we should have been. And that is a regular Champions League side. I look back to when we went out in Roger's third season. I wonder, I don't know the facts, but I wonder if we are one of the only clubs, if not the only club, to fail to qualify via the Champions route of the Champions League, having turned over £100 million the season before. You try and quantify that and think the odds were stacked in our favour and we couldn't do it. See the when the odds are stacked against your favour, all the more need to have this side ready for these matches. It's sadly not. Um, you're talking about youth players leaving. I think you know they need to see a strategy. You need to look at maybe some of the youth players like Gerald right now going well I really fancy being developed on a side where I could be literally told at the last minute you're going to be playing one of our biggest games of the season as my de- as my competitive debut that is quite a daunting sort of few examples that he'll now see of that mm-hmm. and you have to have your players have agents in their ear now as well going whoa 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 red flag this could be the make or break of your career here that's too much pressure for you to be getting you need to be developed you need to be nurtured and you need to be uh, integrated into the first team in matches of far less profile less pressure and brought in step by step and that sort of guide actually being explained to these players as well would be very beneficial it would be nice for the players to know what this path their journey at Celtic is going to be mm-hmm. and judging by the, 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 the departures we've seen admittedly Bayern Munich should step up Um, but you look at the West Ham one and you think to yourself well it's going to be a lot harder you would think on people to get into West Ham's first team yet the progression and the development plan that they will have and they will have explained to OcoFlex made more sense a clear path Russell yep because the two examples
3: we've spoken about Tony right so you've got Stephen Welsh we're going to throw you into a massive game against Rangers mm-hmm. having played one game for the first team and a few games for Greenock Morton at right back 21 years of age we're going to throw you in there's your path Dan Murray you've been playing against 18 year old kids for your entire football career over the last X amount of months years uh, or years or seasons yeah we'll throw you in in a Champions League Qualifier, there's your path. It's just panic. Yeah, it's just absolute
4: panic. Absolutely strikes a panic. And do you know what? i have gonna go pretty one day, mate. I've said this before as well. Seen when it comes to recruitment and signing policy, signing some <laughs> players, second <laughs> good players. I mean what's Celtic's problem that they go out and sign guys that are hopeless or that will never kick a ball for the first team and the money they're frittered and guys like Svet <laughs> as an example because they're using certain agents. Stop that. That has to stop. Just sign good players. Trust the manager. If he's got a list of targets, then you work your way through them. The furuhashi deal was done like that overnight. Bang. The hand of Ange, right? And people have a look at it, look at the guy's clips on YouTube. They think he's going to be a player. I tell you what, see, see if you are signed for Celtic right now and you can't improve that team, then mm-hmm. you're not It's money frittered away again. Right, so I I mean, sometimes my outlook in football is pretty simple. But I think when it comes to signing players, go and sign good ones. Go and sign a good goalkeeper. This guy can't be trusted. He's not a good goalkeeper. Right, so you need a good goalkeeper. What's the problem here? How can you not see that? Go and do it. We've needed a right back since I think time of perpetual motion (laughs) since Danny. I think the club, we've needed a right-back. You know, we've had problems. So go and get one. You know, and it's other people's job within the the department or the club at Celtic Football Club to identify that. But I've said before, see if they can't do it. We'll do it. I'll do it. Give me a league of DVDs to watch of, you know, and I'll, I'll come back with a list like that of right-backs that can play for Celtic.
3: that can fit the bill, you could do it. Russell could do it. You know what I mean? What I used to like, Tony, is uh, and I I know I sometimes, like yourself, I hark back to what it was like and I know it's changed and I know that the reports that are coming through for potential targets, a lot of it is is data-driven, which by the way, Um, Contrary to some people's belief I believe in data I absolutely do believe in the science of it And it needs to be part of the process Of bringing players in, developing players And setting up teams against Specific opposition 100% for that But I always go back to McCann Fergus McCann had a policy Whereby if you signed a player You must have seen them in the flesh The only player in his time That he broke that rule for Was Harold Brattback. And he only broke it because Vim Janssen, you know, and, and Fergus McCann, you know, they didn't quite come to blows over it, but he convinced Fergus McCann, we don't have to go and see him, we need this player now, and they signed him. I think the fee at the time was something just over True. £2 million, yep. something like that. £2 million, I think it was, yeah. And the one thing, and I, I'll bring this up as often as I possibly can, is that uh, the person who went out to look at Raphael, who was playing for Grêmio at the time, right? I've mm-hmm. gone out to watch Raphael and we, went, we ended up spending five million quid uh, on him. There was a tricky wee player in that same team, Tony, called Ronaldinho, yeah. who uh, sometime later went for a smaller fee than what we paid for Raphael. So there is always benefit in actually going and watching these players. Yeah. You know what? You might go to watch a bar cast, but you might find that there's somebody else within that team who fits the bill in another area of the park. Massive, massive concerns. Another concern that is a white elephant that we need to address. Tony Haggerty, and I'll come to you first. Lee Griffiths. Now, Lee Griffiths has been spoken about probably more than any other individual player on this podcast in the last year. The vast majority of it has been for non-footballing reasons. Now. He makes his return to the Celtic team. There's 18,500 at Celtic Park there. You know, they can make a noise, and yeah, they did make a noise. And some would say it was mixed, some would say it was veering on, I don't know, 70, 30 against him being on the park. What do we do about this? This is a sideshow, I think, at this moment in time, Tony, that Ange Postacoglu and Celtic don't need.
4: I think the manager said it all on Saturday when the question was asked of him. And he said that he wouldn't insult the Celtic supporters by telling them what to think because they've got every right to voice their opinion. And he said that Lee has to work hard to get back into their thoughts and their hearts and minds. But again, if the Celtic supporters decide that's not enough, then that's up to them. You know, problem here is Lee Griffiths has been tried by the Twitterati found guilty. Now everybody's acting as judge and jury with Lee Griffiths. I to stress that the, the, the law of the land and the club have conducted an, invest, an investigation and there's found no criminality. Fair enough. But I think in the, the eyes of the supporters, and I wrote this on the Celtic yesterday, he's morally bankrupt. Right? The actions of Lee Griffiths off the park can be Probably summed up as morally reprehensible, and he will go to closing grounds this season, and he will suffer the wrath of that. What comes with mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And he has brought that upon himself. Of that, there is no doubt. Now you fall into two categories here as a Celtic supporter: any player that wears a Celtic jersey, you support them, or you you boo someone like Lee Griffiths, and that's up to yourself. I would never dream of telling Celtic supporters what to do on that issue either. I'm with Andrew on that. But the club are not tearing up his contract. If they they were going to do that, they would have done Mm -hmm. that. And he would not have featured on Saturday against West Ham. He has one shot. He's, He's scored a lot of goals in his career. Lee Griffiths has one shot now. And the only shot that he has now is a redemption shot. But he's going to have to work so, so hard to get himself back and win over the hearts and minds of the Celtic supporters who in vast numbers in that eighteen and a half thousand crown on Saturday had made up their mind. And I think it was Colin What put something on the group chat. Can you imagine a ground that's full? This character, Celtic player, is a divisive character now. He's dividing the support, he is polarizing it. Does Ange need it? I don't know. But maybe Ange thinks Eddie's the next one out the exit door, I need him. And I need him to maybe try and do what he does best and that score goals and contribute. Can he? It's up, it's up to Lee now, but most people would say he should be hunted out the door. That's, I think, as you say, that's the majority of the Celtic supporters' feeling. But the problem is, in the eyes of the law, he's done nothing wrong, so he reverts back to what he was and what he was and what he is. He's employed as a Celtic footballer. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, watch some, you know, work some no people working at premise, no players bigger than the club. I, true, totally. I totally get that. But as I say, he's he's been subject to some kind of trial over social media and you know, and there's a bigger trial's coming for Lee league as the manager said himself. You know, uh-huh. And when he goes to every away ground this season, he will hear it. Don't need you don't even need to Say the names that he's going to be called, and and by his irresponsible, and I, I say I say the world reprehensible actions he has brought he has brought that upon himself, you know. So it's up to it's actually up to Ange and Celtic. There's a there's a morality issue now moving forward, you know. So so what do you do? Do you wait till you go to a thing? Celtic go to castle first game of the season. Yep, I wrote yesterday in the Celtic way that. The Hearts supporters need no need no more excuses to hate Lee Griffiths. What if he plays any part in that game? What's what's, mm-hmm. what's that atmosphere going to be like? It's going to be toxic. It normally is. Yeah. Without it's, without, it's, without it's, this it's, added more no toxic. And, yeah. So you add a layer of toxicity to every away ground Celtic go this season with Lee Griffiths in the squad, and that's what's coming. And that's that's the moral issue that now. Celtic face as a club moving forward, but Ange is acting and giving him the benefit of the doubt, saying, You're employed as a Celtic player, what can I do? You are here, and I have to put up with you. And then you say, Get rid of him, get shot of him, sell him, whatever. Who, what club right now would touch Lee Griffiths or would want Lee Griffiths? I think it's a it's a
3: Massive issue that's not going to go away because there's also the question, Russell, that we have just discussed what is undoubtedly going to happen whenever he goes to away grounds. I mean, it's happened at his home grounds, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as the crowds filter back in in bigger numbers, I think someone might be able to update me, but the last I'd heard, Tony, 2,000 Hearts fans were going to be at Ten Castle on yep. the 31st of July. So as the crowds start filtering mm-hmm. in, in even bigger numbers, that is going to grow and the abuse will continue, and it'll get worse and more vitriolic. And then you think, right, regardless of how we got to this point, as Tony Mm -hmm. says, he is our player, and there is an issue of us protecting that player, you then ask yourself, at what point is it a bad idea to have him in the squad for his own benefit?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I think as well, we can actually tie the show back to where we were talking about 20 minutes ago. Is it because... Transfer recruitment is so slow that if Ange was to have discarded or Celtic were to have dis- discarded with Lee Griffiths, Ange has absolutely no faith that there would be a replacement signed in time for the start of the season that he's seen that was adequate to do it. And therefore, his hand has been forced to get him some much needed minute time as he may well need to be used. In terms of the support, for me, when the division arises, like it has, and we've heard some... Mad reports from the stands as well, you know, not to go into that. But, I mean, it's complete division, as you say. Um, once it gets to that, for me, I've defended Lee Griffiths, you know, in terms of before about getting the new deal. Now, it doesn't make any sense for Celtic to to hold on to unless the reason is it's a needs-must exercise right now. But when you see that, you know, the booing and all that of a player a ground that's, you know, under a third full. What is that going to be like when it is full? Do we really need all the fans in fighting? Because for me right now, there's a slim chance Celtic can win that title back, okay? A slim chance. One of the absolute fundamental necessaries are going to be unity across the whole club if we're to have any sort of fighting chance. Right now, we don't have that. And it's not Celtic's fault. No. I appreciate about the, you know, the noise of the law and that, but at the end of the day, whether right or wrong, judge and jury will be played by the fans and they will do it via booing, via applauding, via heckling, via cheering. And when you've got a complete mix of that, and like you say, I think that there was probably more in favour of the, the, the booing sort of option. When you've got that toxic atmosphere being, being created, is that genuinely going to be a help to Ange in his first season at Celtic as we chase what is a 25-point deficit from last season. We need to, at the very least, be a united front. And unfortunately, Lee Griffiths being a part of that does not um, add up to a united front whatsoever. And therefore, the simplest thing would be for us to cut our losses and let them go. Interesting points,
3: plenty more to discuss. For anyone who has just tuned in and they're wondering why we have some new logos on the screen, the Celtic Way are now the official sponsors of a Celtic state of mind. You might have noticed that uh, our very own Anthony Haggerty has been writing for the page quite prolifically. Mm-hmm. Tony, I've got to be said, I'm very, I mean, it only takes me five or six years to write a book. So <laughs> I'll tell you what. That's why I don't write anymore, but uh, well done to you uh, and how prolific you have been. All the details around the Celtic Way are on the screen and on the ticker tape. We'll be sharing some links as well. You'll notice over my left shoulder is the first item of Axom merchandise, fully embroidered hoops with our two crests. You will be able to buy that very shortly on axom.net. We've got some other merchandise on its way. The sponsorship, the merch, that kind of thing is why we are able to put out daily content free charge, not just live broadcasts. Uh, Kelvin, our videographer and myself will be down in England on Wednesday uh, filming for a brand new Axom show, which will be on the YouTube channel. So if you're watching on YouTube or even if you're not, get onto the YouTube channel and subscribe to it because every single month you'll be put into a free prize draw where you can win Fantastic items, I've got to say, be that verve platinum discs, signed Bertie old jerseys. Every month there's new items going to be available. Um, and also we're yep. giving away records and all that kind of stuff. So get involved in the Axon movement. Some might even call it the Axom Cult. <laughs> it has been known to be called the Axom Cult. <laughs> and get involved in the chat. Um, just like Roy. Roy has got involved in the what a picture that is a George McCluskey. Look at that. That's fantastic, isn't it? Is that the 1980 Scottish Cup final, Tony? That's the
4: 1980 Scottish Cup final, eh?
3: After he's diverted Danny McGrain's shot into the net to winners of the Cup. One of my favourite Celtic images is that in full flight. Love it. Roy Croppy. Barkas looks terrified. He's not confident. And those around him aren't confident in him. Goalkeeper urgently needed. What I'd also say is, Sviatchenko, great example, Boise. Not only is he terrified, the opposition are playing on it. Target him, target him, constantly target him, the scene him is the weakest link at Celtic at the moment. Um we've got Johnny Boy sixty seven, welcome back. Saturday shows we're needing to be patient and also shows we have a lot of work to do, and that includes transfers, which is worrying, yep. as Tony says, because it takes us so long to get them over the line. Now we've spoken about Lee Griffiths, we've spoken about Barky. Um the other big question mark at the moment. Some might think it's a matter of time, Russell, before Austin Edward leaves the building. Mm-hmm. Um, not being hugely impressed by his performances throughout the pre-season and into the new sure. season. Um, Albenayete was missing. I think he had a slight knock, so he wasn't ready for the game against West Ham. But I pointed out um, that Furahashi can play left and centre, and Abada can play right and centre. Um, is it a case that we should actually... Cash in, Edward, there's, you know, transfer fees mm-hmm. in the region of 20 to £22 million pounds being quoted and focus on bringing in the goalie, two right-backs, a left-back, two centre-halves because offensively, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we really need to shut the back door.
5: Yeah, I mean, there were stories circulating apparently that fees in the region of twenty one million pounds for Edward and I appreciate obviously we all get a bit giddy about that sort of number. My attitude tends to be twenty one million pounds is a standard fee for a you know a bang average EPL player down there between those clubs. So I would still though by all means accept the offer because he's only got the year left and it looks like he's you know his head is out the door I think so his feet should follow um, I love that line that's a belt that. JP Mason oh legend Um mm. so yeah I mean you think what you can reinvest between the Ayer money and the Edward money my concern of course is a lot of the time when we're in these sort of situations where we re- recoup fees we don't actually spend a lot of the money that we bring in for players or, or maybe as much of it as we would like now you look at the Kieran Tierney sale and then you think, we brought in a couple of £5 million players last summer. Things felt... We got in a loan deal for Shane Duffy that was £2 million. On paper, this all looked pretty good. Um, so, would the Scattergun approach work again this summer where we're bringing in five, six bodies at £4-5 Well, we're simply going to have to. Um, and we're going to have to back ourselves to get them right this time. And that last summer's disaster isn't repeated. We certainly need... Um, Backup options in defence. Now we need them um, reinforcement. I should have said uh, reinforcements in the full-back area, right back. As Tony says, has went on forever. Um, and if Edward doesn't want to be there, and there is some sort of bid, I'm not saying for a fact it'll be 21 million. By the way, but that was the sort of rumored price. I just think what we could achieve with that, with, the, with reinforcing the team, would be fantastic. They need help. That is undeniable. Um, and I would like. I wonder if there's a bit of Edward who's lost his killer instinct in front of goal of late as well. He doesn't seem as deadly as what he did, because, I mean, bear in mind, last season, whilst he might have looked off, you know, out of sorts at times, he's still got 26 goals, did not he? He's still the top scorer in Scotland, so I'm not saying that's the biggest achievement in the world either, but I would like to see us try and get someone with, you know, Real sort of goal-scoring instincts into that team because I think we're going to be a team that plays a lot of pace, creates a lot of chances from the wide areas. We need some of that ruthless streak, although they are not too a penny. No, you're right. I mean,
3: we've already offloaded Ayer, Tony. You're quite happy to sell Ayer to, to help funds or feed into the rebuilds. We're at that point now with Edward, aren't we? We're, you know We're expecting to see that unveiling at a club down south.
4: I also think there should be a mutual partner of the ways now because the player's head's not in it and it hasn't been for some time. You can see that because he's missing chances. Yeah. The old Edward would have, no, would have gobbled up easily for breakfast, lunch and dinner, no problem at all. Yeah. And that's fine. And I think he, he, he's come to his end of his Celtic chapter and that part of life and his career. I just don't want it to turn sour because Edward's a phenomenal talent mm-hmm. and wonderful, wonderful moments. I just hate the fans to turn on him and for it all to go sour and he leave with a bad taste in the mouth, you know, fans getting on his back. You know, the guy clearly wants to leave. Celtic clearly want to sell and it's just the club who come in with the the offer that he can't knock back. And if the 21.5 million from Brighton or whoever is to be relieved, then Celtic should really be biting the hand off for that and saying, right, this is it you're going there, or you can go there if you want to go there wait and discuss your personal terms and do the deal. And he goes with your goodwill. Because, as I say, he has given us some outstanding moments, but it's clear his heart and his head aren't in it. And we accept that. There was always going to be a shelf life with a player like Edward. But what I will say is with the, with the Edward money, if we're assuming it's going to be between 20 and 22 million, and the iron money, 13 and a half with add-ons, the guts of that, and I'm talking between 20 and 25 million, has to be given to Ance to reinvest the team. None of this, you no know, holding it for a rainy day, right? I was the rainy, the rainy day is here. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. It's raining. The, this, the hard rains are falling. <laughs> <laughs> like ben said, the hard is going to fall. It's falling at this moment. It's battering it down over paradise. So he has to get be given. At least twenty five, not if not all of it, to spend. I know Celtic don't do that, but Celtic are in dire not just need one or two players that a good additions. They're in dire need of between five, arguably five to seven players. And mm-hmm. that's that, that's a harsh reality. That's a fact. You know what I mean? So you know, you players don't come cheap, I get it, but maybe look look more uh, closer to home, maybe bring in a couple, no book, for example. Just off the top of my head, you know, if you're going to if you're going to try and bring in a, a striker per se, you can maybe get them. You know, mm-hmm. they, they can't complain about holding clubs to ransom for the likes of Ayer and Edward, and then if Hibbs turn around and say three or four million quid for Nisbet and say we're well, not paying that, can he have it both ways? No, you no, know, you've got to be serious. That makes sense. You know, you've got to be serious, right? And if these clubs see you getting that money in, they're quite right to say, about four million quid. How serious are you?" If you want them, go and get them. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. And don't try, don't get into some long protracted thing which saw you lose one of the best midfielders the country's produced, i.e. John McGinn, because you acted the go over, you haggled over 500 grand, I think, when it came down to it. You know, silly absolutely silly so you get this kind of money in for a rebuild you give it to the manager and if he says I want him, him and him you go and get him, him and him whoever they may be and you, and then the manager you trust but you don't start haggling with clubs like Hibbs or Aberdeen or St Johnston or whoever it may be if you're, if you're looking closer to home for some of those targets when the very thing you've done is hold out for as much money as you can get from the likes of Brentford and possibly Brighton for Edward you can't, you can't do that and then play the same kind of game with, with other Scottish clubs if, if you absolutely we target players from Scottish clubs which in the immediate in the immediacy of Celtics need I think they have to do that
3: gotcha because there's no time to adapt to the game. You know, you're, you're going to be playing the same opposition as you had whilst being a, a Hibs or an Aberdeen player or St. John's, as you mentioned. So you're spot on. You're absolutely spot on. Now, Kenny points out over 1,400. We're almost at 1,600 watching live at the moment. <laughs> so give us the thumbs up because it's all about the algorithm. I'm not quite sure how it works, Russell, but you <laughs> thumbs it up, you subscribe, you do all that kind of stuff and more people see the video. And the Axom cult will continue to grow. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. Um, Anybody who is noticing the Celtic Way banners, yes, this is our second sponsorship deal. The first one was with a betting company, which caused a lot of issues with people who don't want us to be sponsored by a betting company. We're now sponsored by a site, a broadcast, a platform that is all about Celtic. So that's the reason we have the Celtic Way on the screen now, before we run out of time, because we can't run out of time without talking about the unveiling of the monument for Angortham War yesterday, Tony Haggerty um, at St Mary's in the Calton, the perfect place for such a beacon um, that will remind everybody passing by that, uh, you know, millions, millions of Irish um, immigrants died during the great hunger and uh, you know which started in 1845 it eventually uh, created a need for a charitable organization to set mm-hmm. up a football club in Glasgow and yeah that's exactly where we started the Celtic football Club because by 1887 things hadn't got much better for the Irish in Glasgow Tony um you know the the famous signs up on the the windows no blacks no dogs no Irish were Prevalent in and around the city, and this is a shining beacon to remind everybody of their ancestry. Uh, it's been a long, long time coming. We spoke to Jeanette Findlay a couple of years ago now, talking about the actual um, the design of that that monument, mm-hmm. that statue, um, and also the fundraiser that went behind that to try and raise the funds. We got of Vogue and at godbold Sound to do a session, and they sang their song. Um, and got more to raise cash for this this monument. It's a fantastic day yesterday where, where it's been unveiled. Tony Haggerty, how important is this for the the Glasgow Irish and for the Irish um, all over Scotland?
4: I think if you know your history, then that monument will stand as a testament to that. You know, and there's no better place for it to be. And uh, yeah, I think it's a poignant monument. Everybody knows the story behind it, and I think. Uh, most Irish Catholics or Celtic supporters will pay that monument a visit at some point and have their own personal reflection beside it. And it's it's long overdue because there's been monuments all over the world, hasn't there? But there, there wasn't one in Glasgow. And I think, yep. it's, I think it's to the credit of the people that fought for, for the monument to be placed in Glasgow because a lot of the... A lot of the Irish Catholics ended up settling here. And as you say, they formed the football club, which is now known as Glasgow Celtic, for those very reasons. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think as a historical and poignant monument and testament, then it's certainly something that every Celtic supporter eh, of Irish Catholic descent, and maybe some of them who are not Irish Catholic will want to see anyway. And have their own private moment and thoughts with it, because their ancestry could probably be traced back to to Ireland. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think I think most most people will pay that at some point in in the, in the near future, and they say have, have a moment to reflect, in a private moment to themselves, and and they and they'll enjoy it. They'll feel sad as well, but they'll look forward to a bright future, hopefully. Yeah,
3: I think it is so, so important, vitally important. It's taken a long, long time. And uh, what I also love and what I'm proud of when it comes to Celtic Football Club, because, yeah, we're very critical of the club, but we've uh, maintained... The Irish heritage we've maintained and always been proud of the Irish Mm -hmm. roots, Tony, whereas a lot of the other clubs who were set up for similar reasons all around Britain kind of almost disowned their Irish heritage Mm -hmm. in time. And Celtic have never done that. Um, You know, you you think about uh, teams like uh, Dundee Hibernian or Hibernian himself, you know, taking the name Hibernia, which is the the Latin name for Ireland, and, um, you know, stripping the club. A lot of them uh, have stripped the club of their Irish identities. You know, Manchester United, uh, when they were founded, um, you know, it was for similar reasons than the team in Dundee, the team in Edinburgh, the team in Glasgow. But Celtic have held true with their Glasgow roots. And I think that it's also something, Tony, that's, um, you know, going back to if you know the history, whenever you're trying to show people um, who are maybe not from this part of the world uh, what Celtic are all about and you take them to various places in Glasgow and even maybe on match day and give them that full experience. That is one of the areas you would have visited in any case, but there's something extra to talk Mm -hmm. about and people can be educated on that. It's so, so important. So well done to the fundraisers. It's massive, a massive achievement. It's been a long, long time coming. And what I would say is, um, if you want to, to read a phenomenal piece of writing, Tony, then go and read Kevin McKenna's piece on it. Um, check him out on Twitter. He's got a link on his Twitter page today and read Kevin McKenna's article on the unveiling of that monument because, as always, Tony is fantastically written because Kevin is a tremendous writer Um, so there we have it, we've had a fantastic uh, day of discussion all around Celtic Football Club, it's been the Axon Bulletin, on a Monday I'm here replacing Amy, yes it may not look as good but Amy will be back next (laughs) week uh, to join Tony and Russell on the Axon Bulletin I've just got to thank everybody for getting involved via Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube if you haven't done so already get subscribing on the YouTube channel and you'll be in line for Big prizes, Celtic related and otherwise. Um, we're in for a, another couple of awards as well. I don't know if I mentioned that we did win an award once back in 2018. <laughs> um, we're back in for the Football Content Awards. Uh, the big one that I would love to win, and I'd love to win it uh, because it's very representative of Celtic's roots, is the charitable award um, and we're up for that award because 20 Celtic podcasts came together on a Celtic state of mind back in December and Celtic fans were massive in raising 27 grand for four different charities so we're up for an award, visit our socials, um, after today or tomorrow we'll have all the details on axom.net as well and give us a vote, see if uh, you can send us down south um, to get, Crash their party and win another <laughs> one that's what it's all about, thank you Tony Haggerty and Russell Boyce for joining me once again on a Celtic state of mind